feel like you were born in the wrong era? Do you pine for a time gone by? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Kaya Handley. Welcome to This Retro Life. We're back. Hello. I've missed you. After sickness, losing an organ, an overseas adventure. Hello to all the fabulous people I met in America in my travels. And just generally struggling to find time for things I love, it's time to continue introducing you to vintage communities and individuals right around the world. But I need your help. Before I introduce you to today's guest, so we can get to every corner of this globe, I need you to let me know whose vintage story we should be sharing. Hit me up on Instagram, flick me a message on Facebook, or send me an email Hello at thisretrolife.com because I always love hearing who you look up to in the vintage community and whose story you think we should be sharing. Okay, let's get into it. To kick off season two, I want to introduce you to someone who lives in Australian terms just around the corner from me. She's just moved to a tiny town called Taylor's Arm on the mid-north coast of New South Wales in Australia. Safonda Blackman is her name. She's been involved in burlesque in Australia and around the world and has a huge, bright and out-there collection of 1970s wonders. And she lives in this stunning old church that she's currently renovating into the most amazing country cottage. So... Over a cup of tea, sitting at the kitchen bench, I found out more about this incredible woman. Savonda Blackman, thank you so much for joining me on this Retro Live. You're welcome. Thank we, you. Are, we are sitting here in your house in Taylor's Arm in very regional New South Wales in Australia right now, and I am surrounded by a sea of orange. Describe to me the collection that litters your house. Well, it's... Um Anything from 1970s that's orange that I can find, I, I want <laughs> and I keep and I, I display proudly in my home. Why the 1970s for you? Just my favourite era, um, especially style-wise. What's not to love? Mm. So bright and happy and, and free, crazy. It's just a great time. Yeah. Really happy time. It's really interesting because we hear a lot about the 1950s in, I guess, modern retro revival, a lot about the 60s. Is there a big 70s scene? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not involved in any scene, but I'm in a couple of collectors' groups. Yeah. And with the mid-century boom revival at the moment... Yeah, there's a, people are after 70s decor, very much so. So what defines 70s decor, homewares, collectibles? So many different types of eras. I mean, 68 to 72 was different to, you know. Sure. But I, I think teak, Danish, Scandinavian, more, you know, timber, that was huge. Fondues and, yeah, all of that. And then the beautiful fondue tables that had the little poofs underneath it. And I mean, so they... Made furniture to go with the lifestyle and the, you know, it's just, mm. I just think it's fabulous. And the plastic, 
I think, you know, the plastic boom was huge. It was really the changing of the guard, you know, it became easier to mass produce, it became less fragile, less breakable, so everyone was like, where have you been all my life? Now we want to get rid of plastic. Yeah, that's right, and you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. But also, the, like, the ceramics that came out of West Germany and Italy at the time, they're really sought after at the moment. Yeah. And some really beautiful designs. We had a little bit of throwback to, you know, some of the beautiful, intricate designs we were seeing in the, the 50s and the early 60s, mm. but... Uh, but really they took on the next level and so that 70s pattern, the browns, the orange, the psychedelic sort of patterns that we expect, you know, they're very representative of the 70s. Yeah, they really are. And yellow and lime green and orange, all purple, pink. Yeah. Just and the fabrics as well were beautiful, the prints on the fabrics and everything. I just it's just to me my favorite. Uh, just just my favorite and that was my childhood so is your collection focused or is it anything and everything? Anything and everything, really, yeah. I, like, look, I went through stages where I thought I'd just collect these one thing, but then you get so many of them and you can't um, display them all. So now I'm just, if I like it, I'll have it. I, I like a lot of kitsch items, stuff that's useless but looks good. I can see a lot of cats behind me. Well, only because they're around. Like, I, I really prefer dogs, but they're harder to find. <laughs> The cats are all salt and pepper shakers, and a lot of the stuff in the 70s, they, it was cheaper if it was a salt and sh- pepper shaker than if it was a, an ornament. So that's why you got all the groovy salt and pepper shakers. But I, I actually wanted to collect orange dogs, and they're just so hard to find that I, I, I find cats and think, oh, go on then, have another cat, another pair of cats. Well, Siamese cats, salt and pepper shakers, why not? <laughs> when we look at 70s and collecting, is it difficult to find things or are they quite readily available because they're not quite as old just yet? Sometimes the things are in better condition, I think, mm. yeah. Um, but I don't think it's easy to find because I just think people thought it was hideous and destroyed it. Some of the stuff that I've found have been still boxed, so they might have been wedding gifts and people go, ugh. ugh. And, and then, you know, when it's a deceased estate, they pull these brand new things out. But, yeah, I, I don't find that the 70s stuff is easy to come by. You do have to be devoted to hunting. And I'm very lucky. I've got a sister who her family said if she collects any more stuff for her house, they're doing an intervention. So now she collects for me. <laughs> which suits me fine. But, yeah, she finds some good things. But she's hunter and gatherer every weekend, every garage sale, onto it. We love collector enablers. Like, mm-hmm. they are our jam here yeah. on This Retro Life. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely the bread and butter of what you need because you just can't search every op shop on your own. No, you can't. And she's, she's got a little route mapped out and she sets off for the day and if she doesn't get anything, she gets very upset, very disappointed, <laughs> like she's re- actually lost something. Have you been collecting since you left home, like since adulthood? No, I've travelled, I've had a circus life, so I I had nothing except what I had in my bag. And then I did start to collect a little bit. How this orange thing started was um, I had a salon. It just so happened that uh, it was, you know, secondhand bits and pieces and it just a few orange pieces crept in. So I just had a few more things for the salon, orange, orange. And then when the salon ended, it came into my house and slowly from there it just started to grow and then people start giving you orange things yeah. as well when they know that you're an orange person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In that time that you've been collecting 70s items, have you noticed the price change yeah. as people are, are looking for them more? Certain things, certain things like Bessemer, anything that was Bessemer, that's now really expensive, whereas when I started collecting, very cheap. But also some things have, have gone the opposite way too. Some things like all those little sort of 
Yeah, like drink sets with a bit of plastic on them, which you find in nearly every op shop in a complete set. Yes, those at the start were more um, expensive than they are now. Yeah, it's interesting to see that change, I think, to see what what comes in fashion, because now there's even a modern retro what's in fashion and what we're we're looking for. Yeah, that's right. Um, It's hard to to tell. Like there's a copy of um, a 70s piece made by um, Cartel, and, you know, you can buy them in fantastic furniture now. (laughs) Do you have a favourite part of your collection or group of your collection that is just your pride and joy? Clothes. My clothes is my favourite thing. And that's not just 70s, that's 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And they're all a true vintage? Yes, absolutely. Yep. I'll show you if you want to have a look. Uh, Can we go and have a look? Uh, Let's go have a look. This is my wedding dress. It's a bit gnarly now. So that's 60s Mary Quant. And given that's white, it is in stunning condition. Yeah, it is, except for, look, there was a little... No, you can't even find it. See? No, there was a burn and I held my flowers there all day like that, so nobody saw. But yeah, look, there's... So we've walked into your wardrobe. There's yeah. pops of colour, there's lace, there's feathers, there's fur everywhere. How long have you... Cause, you know, w- when you only had a suitcase, clothes is probably what you went to. Well, I, and even when I only had a suitcase, I only wore um, vintage even then. You know, so it was, I suppose it was the 80s and it was vintage leathers. Or, <laughs> and I've only just parted with them, actually. Um, Memphis May and uh, a couple of the burlesque girls. Here you go, you want some leather stuff? <laughs> it's pretty yes, please. The world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so um, Hawaiian stuff and um, maxi dresses are my passion. I just love caftans and moomoos. And, so that to me looks 60s, 70s yeah, um, maxi 50, dresses. Yeah, and even 50s, like for some of the moomoos. This is Speedo. Some mate. of the Hawaiian. Hawaiian 50s dresses that we see. Yes, definitely. Like, I'm for this one. Have you collected these from right around the world? Yes, everywhere. And I have, and I used to have a collection of Afghan coats, but over the years I gave them away because it was never cold enough. We definitely don't need them here in this part of the coast. (laughs) No, which I'm almost sad now when I see how much they sell for. Right. Yes, but never mind. I hope the people I gave them to know what they. What the hell? Uh, hopefully they still have them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What do you love about being able to experiment between eras as well? Um, oh, oh it, it was hard at first. I think you know you get you wear your hair or certain glasses and they don't go with everything. Um, now I'm just at an age where I don't care. I just whack it all on, and if it goes, it goes, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. But yeah, I've got a clog fetish. A definite clog fetish. <laughs> are these vintage? Are these vintage clogs? Yeah, yeah they are. Um, these ones are not. There are some. Let me have a look up here. I've got. You do so well to be able to collect shoes. It's something that we talk about quite a bit with women on the podcast. You know, unless you have a tiny foot, shoes can be the hardest vintage accessory to find. I've got a seven, so I'm verging on. You're verging on too big. Yeah. (gasps) All right, so tell me about these. You've just opened them up. They're covered in, what is that, taffeta? Raffia? Raffia. Um, These are tiki shoes from the 30s from Hawaii. They are stunning. I don't I only wear them when I'm sitting down, and I can yeah, we don't want to walk in them. No, no, I don't walk in them. I've got these. You'll probably love these. Oh. Uh, uh, uh. All right, so we've just pulled out what I'm going to call a Ooh. bedroom heel. 
Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> These are the, the, yeah, the boudoir heels. They're a beautiful, in fact, they match my outfit they today. Do. They're a beautiful mint green. They've got fluff on the front. Marabou. They're far too small for me oh, and my huge foot, like but that. they are so beautiful. Yeah. They, they, I look, I just had, I saw them and I had to have them and I don't even think they fit me either. Well, that's the best part about collecting sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes you don't, they don't always oh, have to be for wear. They can, oh, they, they're perfect on you. And I actually did try and swan down the stairs in those and I nearly lost my life. So they're very, <laughs> very slippery yes. on the bottom, but they're so stunning. They're, they are. They're just beautiful. But yeah, it's just fun owning things like this. Right. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it takes the collection out of your house. So many of us collect beautiful things in our homes. Yep. But unless someone comes over, that side of your personality isn't shown unless you're also dressing in a certain way. That's right. And like, I mean, I don't dress... 70s all the time mm. um, and if I've got an occasion or anything but leave most of my most of the stuff that I wear all the time is probably the 70s things apart from the moo-moos in the summer one of the stickers that's amazing. Okay, so we've gone through the wardrobe. We've uh, seen the vintage items. There's so much more that we <laughs> we could see, but I want to talk to you about burlesque. I came from a dance theatre sort of background. I worked in theatre restaurants and did singing telegrams and did all of that sort of thing in the 80s. When I went to London, I, I was in the right place or the wrong place <laughs> at the right time and then and ended up with this circus mob. And because I had theatrical and dance experience I fitted fit right in with these mm. people and just learned how to eat fire and breathe fire that was the little thing that I had to learn oh, okay. was that yeah. a challenge <laughs> it was it was I was scared it took yeah. me it took me a while but alcohol helps well for fire and for courage <laughs> yes yes for courage <laughs> yes but um yeah and then when you've done it once you're all right, yeah. you know. So what did your act, your fire-eating act, look like back then? Um, when it started off, it was a lot different to how it was when it finished because I aged, you know. So, you know, when it started off, it was more. I was, I was more the feature, the good-looking girl with the tattoos and danced around sexily with fire. And then as I became more um, sexy as I got older, <laughs> she changed. <laughs> and then what did she morph into? Well, then she became the flaming bitch. And um, she was a very uh, bit of a gender bender type. She liked to play a, a man sort of role on stage. But, um, yeah, until the top came off, of course, <laughs> and the flaming tassels. Well, and, you know, I hear flaming tassels and then I think, of course, tassels in burlesque. So was it a bit of a natural progression into burlesque for you from that? Yeah, it was. To me, sideshow and burlesque were already have a thing. I just felt I was too old to be setting myself on fire. And burlesque was the closest thing. I didn't, wasn't ready to give up for, you know, performing and being a part of that world. So how did you learn that art form? Because burlesque, yes, it's a performance, but it's also an ancient art form. How do you go about learning that? Well, you study, study, study YouTube. For me, that's what I did. I was a bit isolated and there wasn't any burlesque in the town where I lived. But, you know, as you get more interested in it and more involved in it, you take workshops with people that come from overseas mm. or, or with people that you respect in the industry. You take their classes or their workshops. But it, most of it's just researching. And, and for me, it was researching the old girls, like the old days. So, so what era is that that you're looking at? 40s and 50s. Yeah. Why that era for the, you? Well, that's the you learn all the classic moves yeah. and and you know I mean not that I'm a classic burlesque performer I'm not I'm a comedy performer it, to me that was you know that's where it started well that's where what we know today started yeah. and then yeah, that was my thing I like that and is that 40s 50s burlesque is that what is driving the revival that we're seeing today you know there are there are studios right around the world where 
everyday girls are going and even if they never perform in that room, they are burlesque dancers. Yeah. Um, look, I think that's what started it and what kicked it off. Um, and at the moment, it's very heavily centred on classic style burlesque. Um, but it, it's not for everybody. And this year we saw with um, Miss Burlesque the, the competition, the rules have changed. So your classic act didn't have to have music from before 1960. And as long as it was your interpretation of a classic rather than a venue copying a classic mm. style. So it is it is changing a little bit. We still it still is the roots of it all, the guts of it all, I think. Well, it always will be because even before the 40s, that's when it started. You that's know, right. this is an art form with so much history, but it's evolved before. So evolution is probably natural. Well, and as we've seen now, our current Miss Burlesque Australia is a drag queen. So it's changing again. So it's <laughs> It's, it's always ever evolving. Where has burlesque taken you? Um, to Vegas. <laughs> Where else would you want it to take you? But look, for me, I never really have had the um, opportunity to be able to get up and, and take off and, and follow the circuit. Um, a lot of it's self-funded. You've got to get yourself there, and I don't have that sort of money. Mm. I also have five dogs that need me and two children who I've just managed to shake. But... Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so for me, I, it hasn't been I haven't hasn't been possible for me to travel around. Although I did go to Melbourne and partake in um, the world's longest burlesque show, and we got a Guinness World Record for that. Yeah, when was that? Um, it was, I think that was 2014, maybe that long ago now. But yeah, so all of us from all around Australia, we got together and we burlesqued for 25 hours nonstop. And look, you have become a burlesque promoter. So tell yes. tell me about that because it's an important. Without people like you behind the scenes, none of us have a place to dance. Yes, that's right. Well, look, coming from Wollongong, there was a, no burlesque at all. Like I said, there was no classes and there was no burlesque shows. Bringing quality burlesque to Wollongong was something that I really wanted to do. People might travel to to Sydney to see Dita, but they might not go all that way unless they're you know a hardcore fan to watch a burlesque gig. So we brought them down. It's not that far, yeah. and um, it became a real success. We went for six years, and um, I don't see why I can't do the same up here now. Yeah, I hope to anyway. I guess the challenge now is that where we're sitting right now in your your beautiful new house, it is much further from any big smoke. You know, we yes. are. Five and a half hours north of Sydney, we're about five and a half hours south of Brisbane. We're in the bush and it can be hard to find something we've talked about before. It can be hard being in a regional community as someone who likes things that are a little bit different because you absolutely stand out. So what are you doing to try to make it more regular here? So I just It's just dancing and it's just theatre and it's just entertainment. You, you can't change people's minds if they're already made up. I hope people will come to the show in August and see and and love it. Mm. Um, I don't walk down the street with me boobs hanging out, oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's a performance art and... Sometimes we take off our clothes. Taylor's Arm, Barraville, you know, it's a much smaller part of the world than, or the state than, of the world than Wollongong is. Mm. But you've just started a society. You've got a group of fabulous older women. Mm. You know, that must be pretty exciting to see that there were women in this community who were like, yeah, so let's do it. It, it look, it's thrilling. I, I was just overwhelmed with the amount of attention and support that it's got. 
and that they turn up every week, mm. even when it's cold. They're there every week and they're keen. It's, it's fantastic and it's, it's nice to have a bunch of women hanging out together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in the little showcase I saw, you know, like I think it's fair to say that it was the older generation who were partaking on stage. When we, when we think burlesque, we probably think young, toned, taught women, but that's not the case. No, and that's not what burlesque's about either. Unfortunately, the movie may have given people the wrong impression or people see things from the Moulin Rouge where that is burlesque but that's showgirl burlesque and you know you've got to be a model to to get in there but real burlesque is not like that it's anybody and we have disabled people getting up there on stage people that can't see people that can't hear you know it's for everybody you know it's we had a blind comedian burlesque guy Mulungong. And he was fantastic. There's some real empowerment. Like we think of it as, as female empowerment. But as this, as burlesque evolves, it's really just empowering everyone to get on stage and do what they want to do. Yeah. And it's, you become more like a family. Like we say women empowerment or a male, in that sort of, once you're in, you're in that, in that group, you don't really notice genders and stuff like that. You're just all one. And that's what I, it really is like a family. I know it sounds cheesy and that, but it really is. And I, that's what I said to my girls. If I gave up burlesque, then I, I wouldn't have anything left mm. in my dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, it is my family. Well, see, and that's it. You were moving to the bush to retire and look at you now. You don't really ever get burlesque out of your blood. No, I don't think I ever will. <laughs> no, I don't. And I'm always, I'm still hungry for more students and the next dance that we're going to learn. We have people listening to this podcast from, you know, right around the world. And there are people who will be in small towns in Europe, in America, right here in Australia, in New Zealand. What do you say to them about, I guess, being a little bit brave and, and trying to start something that they love in their town with other men or women just do it doesn't matter you'll find the people that want to support you and just ignore everybody else just do it have fun don't hurt anybody and have a good time that's it for this episode of this retro life you can find us on wooshka itunes and stitcher where you can subscribe and of course rate and review us so it's easier for other guys and gals to find this podcast To get more information on today's guest, head to our website, thisretrolife.com or search This Retro Life on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We have some photos and videos and behind the scenes and a whole heap more retro fun, so do come and check us out. As always, if you're a vintage guy or gal from any era and into anything from cars to collectibles, we'd love to hear from you. Go to thisretrolife.com and drop us a line. Until next time, I'm Kaya Handley. Thanks for listening to This Retro Life.